recording live from the Legarrett Bunt Boxing Academy. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. Legarrett, is he is he boxing now? Go Broncos! Yeah, Boise he's, State. He's a really good puncher. You know. He's you know he always gives his team a puncher's chance. A punch, <laughs> not a puncher's chance. A puncher's chance. I'm your host for the Seahawks Nest, Eric Ronnebeck, reporting live from Nathan's wing of his house with Nathan Sano and Kevin Garber. Welcome to the podcast. A thrilling six-point victory for the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Lots of John Gruden. Not a lot of Mike Tirico. How many points did the Seahawks win by? Six points. Oh, because of all those salty, salty tears all over Twitter, I thought it was three <laughs> points. Since apparently a field goal mattered that much. Yeah, well, we can get into that. Uh, what would you guys like to get into first tonight? There's there's some some cool Richard Sherman antics. There's some... Dan Carpenter wife antics. There's the actual football game that probably the only thing we really want to talk about. Uh, I like how Pete Carroll told, said that he wished, quote, Rex Ryan would just worry about coaching his own team. Did he say that? He did. That I was his response. I love you so much, yeah. Pete. I mean, I did anyway, but I didn't know that. Pete Carroll calls out other coaches and people in the best ways. He'll just say something. It's not even passive aggressive. It's sure like, you know, this is some good life advice. Yeah, and you know what? We don't have to worry about them because we won't play them for four years anyway, and Rex Ryan will not be coaching that team. <laughs> All of Buffalo hopes. It was great to see Percy Harvin back in Seattle. Yeah, right on the bench, just where he belongs. Yeah, right on the bench, right where he belongs. Uh, no, it was a, it was an interesting game. It, at what point, cause I know we all did in this room, unless Nathan, you want to play it cool. At what point did, did you guys start to freak out? Cause, cause I, I'll be honest, I had shades of the NFC championship game against San Francisco when oh. they were driving. I was like, oh, come on. Freak out? I don't know. I'm not talking about Brett a little, Hancock freak out. I think Executive I was a little producer. too resigned. To freak out, like, you'll notice, really? well, you'll notice there was no what to watch this week. I, I because, did, actually. Because I felt like there was nothing to watch. <laughs> I, I could not, in good faith, put together an article. I just couldn't. You were trying to draw the My, picture with the numbers to do a shrug, and you just couldn't figure it out. My biggest problem was, it. It was, that, was that Buffalo was running our offense from last year and, like, made it look real good. And I was like, man, that was really cool when our offense was like that. We had a running back who always made the first guy miss, and we ran the read option and actually did it. So, I don't know. Like, that's, I was kind of freaking out just the fact that they were doing what we used to do. Yeah, it was like bizarro Seahawks. It was like, oh man, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor, this kid is a right-handed Michael Vick, Mike. No. That, that's literally a thing that came out of, uh, yeah, what, a, what about the 900 different packages that the Bills rolled out with? That, that was some, that was some interesting coaching by Rex Ryan. It worked for him. They've got at a bunch they, of gadget players. They make gadget plays. At I mean, they never ran a swinging gate. <laughs> <laughs> Griff Whalen is out there to take the snap. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was really working for Buffalo. They, they came out and they didn't show the Seahawks their usual looks. They, they came out with a lot of different packages. They, they only showed the same package like two or three times during the game, and it was never in a row. It seemed like Buffalo came coaching-wise to throw the Seahawks' defense off balance. I don't know how much that played a factor, seeing how our defense looked good through the first two downs of just about every drive. Let's take a look at the defense. uh, Shady McCoy and all of his creepy partyhood only ran for 85 yards, four yards per carry. That's a solid but fairly average Number for as much as he made people miss, that's very, very good numbers. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, he he was making people miss, he was, but he just couldn't get that far up because there's so many tacklers. And when Brock Coyle is the guy you're making miss, or getting the tackle twice, 
but okay, that is something I want to point out. If you look at McRae, so Kelsey McRae had 13 tackles. Brock Coyle had eight. We got a lot of production from these replacement players, but what you'll notice is they were making tackles three and five yards deep that Cam Chancellor, that Michael Bennett, starting players on this defense make at the line of scrimmage. They had to be less aggressive because they're less athletic and have less ability to compensate, but they're still disciplined in the system, which is why it wasn't a train wreck, but it did look like a less dominant defensive effort. Health is catching up. I mean, Wagner had 16 tackles, McCray had 13, KJ had 11, Earl Thomas was all over the place. He had nine tackles. There was a lot of production, five sacks, uh, Bobby, KJ, uh, Brock Coyle, Cliff Averill built some houses, Frank Clark, all of them got in on the quarterback. So there's a lot of production from me from a lot of places, but the overwhelming athleticism that you are used to seeing from the Seahawks defense didn't come to show. And part of that is, you know, Taylor and McCoy are very elusive players. There's some playmakers, especially if Sammy Watkins was healthy, was healthy on this Buffalo offense. They're not a slouch, but I felt like the defense had to play slightly more hesitant and Jeremy Lane got embarrassed. Jeremy Lane had the worst game I've ever seen from Jeremy Lane from a starter from, since he's been a starter anyway. Uh, what did you not like about Jeremy Lane? Cause I'll, I'll tell you right leading into it for me, the, and this is, this is a total football nerd thing to say the angle at which he went into tackle it, the, you could see it from the first tackle. He went, I was like, what angle are you taking there? And as the game went on, I was like, what angle are you taking? Like he couldn't rack up, wrap up guys. He could not get his hands on the guys. It, it didn't matter who was guarding Robert Woods though. Sherman was on him. And Lane was on him. The whole secondary got burned by a guy who I would consider subpar. Like, Robert Woods is... is he's fine. He hasn't been able to stay healthy a lot. He's a quicker inside receiver, and sometimes just, those give us trouble. I mean, we just got destroyed by him on the sidelines. He just kept, caught sideline pass or sideline passes. Tyrod Taylor flushed himself out of the pocket and then found room to work on the yep. edges. 10 for 162 is a big day. Those are those are uh, Julio Jones numbers being put up by a guy who I would say is unequivocally not Julio not Jones. Not Julio Jones. That's a fact. Uh, KJ Wright has had a stupendous year this year, uh, playing as if to say, "Shut up, Eric. Shut up, Seahawks nest. I'm I'm not stealing money." <laughs> he he had some bad plays last night, and I, I'm not trying to hook this this bad defense performance on KJ Wright. Just want to remark, KJ Wright missing tackles. KJ Wright coming in. Really fast and missing tackles, or really slow and not making the tackle. On the first true offensive drive for points for uh, uh, Buffalo, not the one off of the blocked punt, but the the actual drive, he had like two or three. KJ Wright had two or three plays in a row where he was out of position and looked really bad. I felt like outside of that, he played a pretty solid game, but he had like one drive where he just looked terrible. Yeah. Uh, anything else from the defense you want to go into? You do you want to do you want to go into Sherman's blocked kick, uh, where he hit the ball first? Yes, and it wasn't really that big of a deal. And my favorite thing in the world was that uh, Buffalo got mad because their kicker got penalized for flopping like a European soccer player. Yeah, my, my favorite. Thing, that was funny. My favorite thing about that play was that Dan Carpenter's wife on Twitter said this about Richard Sherman. I was I was like stunned. By this, uh, that this, uh, he said that 
if someone acts like an animal, you know what she, we should do with animals. This is what we did with when animals got mad on the farm. And she put a, and she's talking about Sherman and she put a picture of like castration tools yes. up on Twitter. And I was like, whoa, well, Sherman- this is, this is way weird. And you're calling him an animal. And uh, I seem super uncomfortable. Yes. One. <laughs> Shermie, of course, had two great things in, in the press conference. He said, I'm really shocked with how comfortable she is saying that, which excellent yep. report, M- Richard Sherman. And the second one was when he tweeted at her directly with, you know, crying smiley faces. And he said, thank you. Have a great day. That's that's why we love Richard Sherman. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying this is the reason why Marshawn Lynch listed the Dave and Busters and Apple's Bees as the best parts of Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is why. Excellent, Kevin. Uh, here's, I'll just say this about it. Buffalo wants, you know, you always want to, everyone, it seems like every team this year, every fan base in the NFL is just lashing out at the officials. And I think that's fair. In this situation, your kicker, Dan Carpenter, flopped. Sherman went for the ball. After that, you wanted your 15-yard penalty. You didn't get it. But remember, the refs made sure you had a chance to spike the ball. Never in spiking the ball history have I seen refs line up a ball perfectly giving the team extra time to make sure they get it right so they have enough time to make that kick. Also, you should be making that kick. It was not a 55-yard 50 yard field goal. It was a very, very, very makeable kick. You should be making that kick. Just like, just like Seattle and Arizona, you've got to make that kick. There's one legitimate gripe I would give Buffalo, and that is on that play, the uh, on the delay of game that cost them five yards, Mm-hmm. Uh, the ref set the ball and literally stood over it until there was like six seconds left on yeah. the play clock. Yeah, that's a legit. And that gripe. was that the is, legit. Absolutely. Gripe. In all the things that happened, that was the one legitimate gripe I think you can have. I think that's a but problem though. No one's again. Buffalo's not talking about that. I will ask. What was the score? Uh, did we? Did the Seahawks win by two? Yeah, I think they argue that if. Oh no, you they know, won by six. If they would have got that field goal there, it's a three point game, and they don't have to go for it at the end. They can kick a field goal and go to overtime, which. Maybe so, but at the same time, like, we'd still have a minute to drive the field with Russell Wilson. That's possible that we make that. You never know. It's, it can go either way. Yeah. When you start playing those what if games, it's really difficult. And last night, or, you know, that Monday night game, whenever you read this, or I'm sorry, listen to this podcast, is that the refs to both teams' advantage, and of course to Seattle's advantage, they were letting the players play. To quote John Gruden, <laughs> let them play, Mike. Like, they were letting everyone play. They weren't calling all the holds on the Seattle offensive line. And equally, they were not calling all the holds on Cliff Averill. I will say they called a lot of penalties on Buffalo. The right tackle was <laughs> was shunning Cliff Averill on every play. It was ridiculous. The only the only penalty that I did see called that I do think was questionable, there was a tripping call. Oh, I didn't um, think that was Against Glenn. And guy kicked out his leg. I, that's not a call that gets made all the time, even if it is one that should by the by the book. Yeah, but again, you I know, love that call like, because the guy kicked out. He was falling backwards. <laughs> he kicked out his leg, and it was it. it went on, I'm making a lot. Nathan, anything defensively you want to say about this game? Uh, we didn't play that good on defense. How about that? I want to go into the third down percentage. Yeah, they were, were 12 about. for 17, but they're also six for their first six on third down. So the defense could not get off the field to save their lives. Um, I don't care what metric you looked at. They outplayed us in pretty much every facet of the game other than turnovers. Other than Russell Wilson. They, they held the ball for 40 minutes compared to our 19. Like this cannot continue. The defense cannot continue to play 40 minutes a game and we can expect to win. It's just not going to happen. 
it's it's ridiculous that this keeps happening week after week, and it's because the team is just reluctant to run, and then so we don't burn any clock when we're on the field, and then the defense is trapped out there, and we're thin. You know, Demontre Moore is playing snaps. Like guys that the guy we signed last week. Yeah, guys right that we, at the beginning of the year you would have laughed at me if I was like. This guy's going to play, you know, 40, 43% of snaps, and Silver Salega is going to play 38% of snaps. You'd have been like, shut up. But we're thin. We're, well, we have lots of it, guys, important players injured on our defense, and it is affecting our ability to effectively defend for 40 consecutive minutes, which is just a ridiculous amount. Um, I worry that what's going to, about what's going to happen when better quarterbacks than Tyrod Taylor start to shred up our defense because we're so exhausted. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. goodness Russell Wilson played so great this week. I mean, we're lucky and blessed. The defense got five sacks, but they were like a lot of them were coverage sacks where we had like a million years to get to the guy. You know, we weren't. Get, I don't feel like we got consistent pressure. Tyrod Taylor was he avoided a lot of sacks too, elu- which elusive is we, the word yeah, I used to Yeah, we him. we were just missing sacks and we couldn't get past that second block a lot of times. Yep. It, well, and they were reluctant to to. Uh, to blitz because I think there were so many we had leaky coverage in a lot of way in a lot of ways. You know, felt, let's go ahead. Are I you... felt blessed to escape from the lap band of brothers with a with a W to, to say the least, and I did not expect to be saying that they had thirty first downs, they had one hundred and sixty two rushing yards, they had more passing yards than us. So, however excited you are about Russell Wilson's passing performance, you should look at Tyrod Taylor and be just as worried that 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 Tyrod Taylor, the inaccurate quarterback that he is, just destroyed us. All over the field. Yeah. Well, in quantity of plays run, let's go ahead and switch to the offense. You know, Russ was 20 for 26, but that's only 26 passes, and we had eight running back carries. Total? Yeah. yeah. C-Mike had five. One, one Tyler had three. Tyler Lockett was your leading rusher, one rush for 13 yards. Well, well apparently we should go the Ty Montgomery route with Tyler Lockett. That's what I'm hearing. I mean, I'm, I'm for it at this point because... Yeah. Christian Michael could not be more of a bang average running back. I mean, his DVOA is like 0.1. Uh, let me look it up. It's, yep, it's 0.1, which is the, he is basically performing at the most average rate we can ask for. So. And it doesn't help that George Fant looks like a flailing toddler on run blocking. He doesn't know how to play football. I mean, that's, all, that's okay. Well, when Monday but Night Football not. is showing you his, his college basketball career. That's that's it's interesting. He only played like three snaps in college and in football and what, like two were at tight end? He caught one pass yeah. at tight end. I guess I was talking to Kevin about this in the car on the way over here. In the in the first like quarter and a half, I was like, Wow, George Fant, he can he can pass block. He's coming together. He's putting it together. We can do this. And then the holes started to show. Uh Kevin, I'm going to give you my analysis on this. Nathan, you as well, and you can tell me where I'm right, where I'm wrong. It seems like the difference between Soul and Fant is Fant can pass block at times. Soul seems to not be able to pass block as well. Soul can run block. Fant can't run block a wet paper bag. Go go nuts on what I just said. So I'll go ahead and take kind of first blush on this. Um, and it's kind of what you described, which is soul is a bone average, like 18th in the NFL right tackle. And George Fant is a guy that needs to be developing and never seeing the light of day in his needs to be on a practice squad. Like there's just no doubt, but there's no way if we cut him, someone would pick him up to be honest with you. Not after the performance he had. No. No. So just get, get him, get him on a, on a, 
practice squad. You know, that's where he should be. How but, bad is Jamarcus Webb? That I keep thinking about this. <laughs> we say this every Jamarcus, single week. Jamarcus Webb must just he, either that or like he like threatened you know Tom Cable and, and Tom Cable was like, well now you get to be the backup to George Fant. And how does that feel? You know, yeah, like, yeah. really really put you in your place. Give some of that humble pie. I don't know. I don't know. It weirds me. It weirds me out. Um, but if we're going to talk about the offense, we have to mention the one-hand catch world champion. Sit down, Odo Beckham Jr., because Jimmy Graham is here. Wait, which one-handed catch? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Both yeah. of them were incredible. Both eight of them being interfered with. Eight targets. My, my favorite was the one where he caught the ball and the guy was holding his other arm behind him <laughs> like, a police, yes. like a police officer trying to arrest someone. That's right. Yeah, it's... It's good to see the Jimmy Graham that we always wanted to see here in Seattle. And he's, I don't know if, I think maybe it took him a while to get into the system. And I mean, remember before he got injured last year, he was starting to pull down balls for like three games. He looked really good. And now it looks like Jimmy Graham is. He looks elite. He looks elite. Thank you, Kevin. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Baldwin was good too. Six for six and 89 yards. Like, yeah, I that thought, was a very Baldwin game. I thought the offense just in general. Called Paul, his jersey number. Paul Richardson was good. Tyler Lockett looked good on the plays that he was Tyler Lockett looked like Russell Wilson in the sense that he looked faster. He looked better. He looked improved from the injuries or from catching up from his rehabilitation. And I think like we just see Tyler Lockett's snap counts just keep going up. He's yeah. 57 now. I think by the end of the year, that 50... That 50% 70s. snap count will be what Jermaine Curse has in Lockett. It'll be up to 80. Don't forget Paul Richardson caught a, a nice ball over the middle where he got he got hit pretty hard and he yeah. held onto the ball. Yeah. I was really happy to I, see that. I really like Paul Richardson, and I wish that there was more snaps available for him. But, you know, if we're going to throw it every play, maybe we'll just go four wide from now on. Just put CJ Procise in the backfield and don't even worry about running the ball. It if, seems to be what we're doing. If Procise didn't get Russell Wilson killed twice on pass protection, Seriously. I would be in favor of that. But CJ Procise clearly needs some of the finer points of pass protection. Uh, not so much a hot take question, but it's your opportunity here to give me a hot take answer. Hit me. Russell Wilson, to begin the year, 100%. He gets, uh, he gets taken down with the high ankle sprain and like, Towards the end of the second quarter against Miami, that guy is at 10, 15%, maybe, maybe 25%. The next week in LA, he's like at 20% because pain is setting in the swelling. At what percentage is Russell Wilson playing at now? 80? Really? Okay. 70. I was going to go. I'm right. I think. Yeah, his speed. His speed is. He looked when his he, acceleration is not there and he's that, a little hobbly. Yeah, that play where he ran in and then slid for the first down. Uh, that would Russell Wilson last year would have busted that run. Like That'd that run would have been yards. that would have been sixteen to twenty five yards. And they aren't respecting the run at all, which is which makes it more shocking that um that that he has that he hasn't busted one. You know, yeah. So he does look. He at least appears to be. What was it? The knee brace is off now. Right? Yeah, he took that off last week, I think. And so he appears to be comfortable enough to take off and run. He just doesn't have, like, that plant-and-go acceleration explosiveness he had. I felt like Lockett had a lot more of his explosiveness back. We saw it on the uh, the 16-yard run. We saw it on the 43-yard kick return. We saw Lockett looked a lot more like Lockett. Even when Lockett was dancing around in the backfield and he lost like five yards from where he caught the ball, it still looked like Tyler Lockett. It looked like he was doing something. Yeah. I will say that I think Russ... Russ did not look like Russ. Okay, you guys are saying like, what, 75 or 80%? To me, he looked 85 only because there were times where he scrambled, where he... He turned around. It wasn't it wasn't as fast as we're used to, 
but I feel like the longer this goes on, if we can, if we can hang in with the wins, I think we can make a serious run here because I think Russell will get back to Russ. I'm more worried about the run game, which we've already talked about, but eight running back carries. That's so frustrating. It's frustrating that we're not getting it, Kevin, but as, as we were talking again before, uh, the Seahawks and us are very active on Twitter and we, we interact with the people who listen to this podcast and, and Seahawks fans. And there are a lot of people who are saying, you know, our run game needs work. And, and you'd like to point out that, well, we need to see the run game in order to see if it works. But can we run the football? Do, like, as Nathan said, it's, it's very average Kristen Michael. And we don't know what we have with CJ Prosize, but we're not, we're not breaking any runs. And on one hand, I know we're not giving the running backs enough carries. But they're not doing anything with the ball when they carry it. So where, where do you stand on games, this? We've had multiple games with around four yards per carry. And, yeah, the Buffalo game, they weren't. But there were other games where they were right around four yards per carry, and that's enough to give it a try. Pump it up around 18 to 25 rush attempts. You know, we are bleeding our defense on the field by just... Absolutely, you know, three and out, short passes, clock stoppage. You know, Krista Michael's never seen a sideline he doesn't like to run to. And it's really leaving a lot of time hey, on that, the field to tire that out the defense. paid off on our last drive, by the way, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But I just want to point that out. It's, it's just, it's, it's mysterious to me. Russ can't do everything on his own, especially hobbled. And that's basically what we did. Russell Wilson, we put the game completely in his hands, and we got lucky. Nate ran you through the stats. That was not a game Seattle should have won. We won because Russell Wilson was the best player on the field. And he was nearly perfect. Like Russell Wilson absolutely had to be perfect in this game, and he was. And you know what? I mean, it shows in the DVOA. Seattle's offensive DVOA is not great. It's 14th, but our pass ranks up to 9th. We are passing the ball really well. We just need to balance it out with the run. We have 23rd in run rushing, and it just it seems like the rushing game is just taking time to get. I mean, we just don't have the offensive line talent. And then you know the thing is, is we I've said this a thousand times, but the the read option hides bad tackle play. Yeah. By allowing the tackle to just try to get into the second level and make something happen, he doesn't have to beat his guy one on one right off the line. And now, I mean, we don't run the read option. And when we do, there's no threat that Russell's actually going to run it. Teams aren't scared of that anymore. Yeah, and so, until he breaks one, we're vulnerable there. Well, no one's running it, so they they don't trust it, and they shouldn't. Uh, in, oh, I will say one thing I did like, though, and this is going to sound weird. Russ took four sacks. What I liked about that was that for the first time in a few games... We took shots downfield. Okay. He had 10.8 yards per attempt. Russ took some shots. And uh, before it was, like we talked about, he was getting the ball out insanely fast. Just barely over two seconds. Not long enough for anything to develop. And if a couple of sacks is the price for having some of those downfield plays, I'm okay with that. Because... We need to take some shots. You know, if uh, we have to do something, even if it's, you know, throwing it deep 
so they can't jam the box. So maybe we can get a run game going. Well, we saw that. to set up the run. I saw that in the long shot to Jermaine Curse that did not connect. It, yeah. It was a, it was a, a, a coverage mistake by the Bills. Russ saw it, threw the ball deep to Jermaine Curse. I, he overthrew the ball. I don't know if they just didn't give it enough time or Curse looked like he may have been held, but you know how I feel about it. But Jermaine there was a Curse. deep pass to Doug. Yeah. And that went, that was for what the first Seahawks touchdown. That was beautiful. Big yeah. play. And then those two pass plays to Jimmy, we're thinking about the catch a lot, but those are both like right around 20 yard passes. Well, in order to make a one handed catch, they need to be perfect dimes, you know, that come yeah. in over your shoulder. These aren't balls that are thrown at your body. They're arced in a way that they fall into the basket that is your hand. And Jimmy made two of those with one hand. Which also shows great chemistry between. Russ and Jimmy, yeah. they know where they want the ball. And great touch from Russell Wilson. Because, yeah. you know, it's it was one thing. Two things I noticed from the Monday Night crew, because I don't usually care about the network announcers, but Monday Night Football, you're going to get a lot of traffic. You're getting a lot of people seeing your team. Going to get a lot of traffic. Going to get a lot of traffic, Mike. Uh, one was they're talking, uh, John Gruden talking about how great Russell Wilson was and how people doubt him as a passer. And how you shouldn't doubt him. Basically, you're stupid if you're doubting him. Trent Dilfer, who I can't stand on analysis, talked about this in the pregame, which was nice to hear. Way to go, Trent, on trying to get back into Seattle's good graces. The other thing was they did a whole chart of our Super Bowl year where we beat the Denver Broncos 43-8 to and how we put more money into the offensive line than any team and how since we are putting less money than any other team and that's why we're so bad. It was nice to show that off to the national audience because I was like, yeah, that's why we're not not as good as we should be. Yep. It's frustrating. All right, let's go into the wonderful Patriots game where we head to the state of Massachusetts. Uh, I don't want to go. The, the Commonwealth that is New England. It's like three or four states. I don't even care. Uh, this is not a – it's a Sunday night game, national game that's pretty cool. But it's not the game that I really want to see right now with Michael Bennett not playing. We don't know if Cam Chancellor is going to play yet. Soul may or may not be back. Yeah, and we still don't have a run game. So talk about Tom Brady, Kevin. Number one in past DVOA. Number three offense, and it is not the run game that's making it happen. I mean, this is an interesting version of the Patriots because they kind of have like a Swiss Army receiving core. Hogan's a deep threat. Edelman's like the shifty guy on the inside, even though he's not having a great year. Yeah. Amendola's not getting hurt routinely, which who <laughs> knew that was a skill he had. And then they have, you know, two really good tight ends. So they have this weird mix and matchy setup where they don't have any dominant receivers. They just have every tool you could want and a guy in Tom Brady that knows which tool to pick and when to do it. And the best quarterback in football, the best coach in football. Sorry, Bill Belichick gets that nod. I think he proved that to us in the Super Bowl. I want the best quarterback part, but that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's close. He's in the discussion, at least. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, Michael Bennett, his brother, Martellus Bennett. <laughs> I like how my little save there. That's a good save. Thank you. Uh, those are the two tight ends you're talking about. Martellus Bennett has kind of fallen off of the favorite list of Tom Brady since Gronk's been back, but he's still a viable weapon. He's still a, a very, very good tight end. What kind of fits is this going to give the Seahawks? This, I'm thinking, you know, we, we don't do well against tight ends. If there's two of them, I figure it's going to cancel them out, right? 
<laughs> is that is that how it works? Yeah, I actually worry a little bit more about Julian Edelman in this game. Really, of all the of all the players, I think Edelman is a better version of what Robert Woods was. Okay. He's a shifty inside receiver, and he's not the kind of guy you're going to put Sherman on. And not and like we talked about, you shouldn't do that anyway. But unless Lane can figure something out, he's going to have some trouble. I would I kind of like to see Shed on. Uh, Edelman as much as possible because he's not going to let him get a lot of yards after the catch. I worry about Edelman a little bit. Gronk is going to get his. There's not a lot you can do about that. Yeah. You just got to, you know, put a hit on him when he gets it. If we have, you know, Bam Bam Cam's back, that's going to be a nice thing as far as just having a physical tackler that can really kind of get in there on those tight ends. Yeah. And but the slots as well. It's going to be about the pass rush. And we're not going to have Michael Bennett. And we're not going to have Michael Bennett. How do we, I mean, we we didn't really explore the Bills' offensive line that much last week. Their offensive line is a lot better than the Patriots. Okay. Yeah, uh, okay, until that, until their world-class center got hurt. And even then, their quarterback is a lot worse than New England's. But a lot more mobile. doesn't matter. It's not about mobility with Tom Brady. It's time to throw. And he gets rid of the ball so quickly, so accurately. Um, I don't think it's going to much matter. Uh, our pass rush is going to be weakened because of no Bennett. And I don't, and I'm not, I don't think we can afford to blitz. And then, yeah, bl- blitzing against Brady is a losing proposition. We're going to have to just hope for the best, you know, hope that he makes mistakes, which the way he has come out after that suspension does not seem likely. He has come out. Middle fingers blazing to Roger Goodell. Yep. He has said, Hey, Roger, uh, I heard you didn't like that I, uh, that I uh, deflated my balls. Well, guess what? <laughs> Here I come. Okay. Tom Brady has only played in four games, but has created more, more DYAR, the drive yards above average, than all but five quarterbacks in the NFL. That's nuts. That's you could make a legitimate case for him to be the half season MVP. I mean, and I feel like at this point you have games. to give it to Matt Ryan. But eight games from now, if they both play at the level they're playing now, Brady will pass him up. There's no way. Yeah. Matt Ryan's not going to be able to hold on to that MVP. Tom Brady is playing out of his mind football right now. Yeah. 12 touchdowns, no interceptions, completing 73% of his passes. And that, you know what? Something else is a lot of quarterbacks get help from defensive pass interferences. Do you know how many defensive pass interferences New England's drawn? Very few. Zero. Yeah. Since Tom Zero? Brady came back. Zero? Yeah. They, I don't like that. They have not drawn any, which means that this is the week they break that streak yep. because we get DPIs, especially on the road. The road On the road, we have a real tough time not getting a DPI. Now, their defense is exploitable, and I, I think that that might be our chance to hang in. They're really bad against the pass. Really bad. 26th. Yeah. They stop the run, but we don't run anyway, so who gives a shit? <laughs> so so uh, the, i mean this the 26th ranked pass defense and you know what they're really they're really they don't do anything particularly well it's not like they're like oh they're good at covering running backs they're just like below average in every guarding every yep. single dude especially tight ends so i expect us to spread it out and we're gonna try to shoot it out with new england and that is both worrisome and exciting you know what if else it, if it works it'll really work did you see they're 31st in adjusted sack rate that is one thing that plays well into Seattle's hands is Russ might actually get a little bit of time to make some plays. And they traded their best defensive player for nothing. 
They just basically didn't want to have him on the team anymore. Well, yeah. they, they traded their two best defensive players for nothing. If you include Chandler Jones in the offseason. Yeah, that's true. I didn't. I forgot about that one. Yeah, they really, uh, they really just said like, we don't want to, we don't want to be that good on defense. We'd just rather be kind of bad. Yeah, Belichick sending messages to to people who <laughs> look at him incorrectly. Okay, is, Steph- is Stefan Goskowski broken? Like, that's my other question about about uh, New England. Like, their kicker, they Goskowski has been the best kicker in the league. For what would you say, like the last five, five years? Probably. Five years, yeah. And then this year, he has missed one, two, three field goals and two extra points already. And if you are missing field goals, you do not want to play the Seattle Seahawks. You know, if he was broken, then Belichick would have traded him before he finished breaking. Because that's what Belichick does. So Yeah, I mean, I just think for a guy who hit 52 of 52 on the new extra points last year, like it is kind of weird that he's missing significant amounts of field Was there a change year. in long snapper or holder or something? Or turf? Don't know. Didn't Could look, have been a change in holders. Didn't look into it that much. Just just noticed that he's been missing a lot more field goals than usual. I wonder if it's something like that. I, I wouldn't say it's time to worry yet. I mean, sometimes kickers have fluky years. It's a weird thing. Kickers are a weird position. There's a reason why no one really coaches them. They just kind of let them do their thing. It's because either you got it or you don't usually. And usually kickers move on from places. It's I mean, and the thing that's is, a Gos- fungible asset, Goskowski yeah. has derived more value off of kickoffs in terms of field position than almost any kicker in the league. So he's still bringing value to the team uh, because they, they don't always kick it in through the back of the end zone. No. New England does weird stuff where they like crater it up and try to like make you return it, which knowing I don't how think do this week. knowing how aggressive we are on kick returns, this could be a thing to watch out for. Which would be cool because our kick returner is real good. Yeah. Well, if we're gonna win this game, we're gonna have to find a big to pull a trick. Somewhere. Yeah, we're gonna have to do something. And Bill Belichick isn't known for settling. You know, do he's you gonna go be into predictions. Toxic the, the toxic differential chart right now. I'm gonna look it up just for you, so you guys have an idea. Okay. Um. So, okay, first of all, one weird thing. Nobody allows less big plays than the Baltimore Ravens. They've only allowed two all year. They also don't make any. That's how that works. <laughs> Are they, yeah, they don't they, want anything made, exciting in Baltimore. Made, they've only made four. So, yeah. Okay, New England is third in the league, 17. They have 14 big plays, and they're plus three on turnovers. Seattle is right in the middle. Two plus two on turnovers, plus one on big plays. They have tox differential of positive three. So that's something I'd like to see us improve upon in this game. And uh, not allowing New England to make big plays will be important in this game. I, That yeah. is 100% true. They get big plays out of lots of different guys, too. They, The thing that's weird about the New England offense is they have a million guys who can hurt you. Like, they got Bennett. They got uh, Gronkowski. They've got three different running backs who all have talent. They would, And that's inc- I'm including... Deion Lewis in this because he's gonna. They're saying he'll probably be back. This Lewis week. White and Blunt, who's a yeah. good receiving back. Yeah, he's great. And White's he's pro- a good receiving back too. Lewis might be like the best third down back in the league when he's fully healthy. And then they got Edelman. They have Hogan, who's turned out to be a pretty decent wide receiver. He's like, a solid deep threat. Yeah, they, he's kind of a run deep and throw it over him guy. They have they have all kinds of these guys these guys that can hurt you. So you have to you have to be ready to guard all these dudes, and that's going to be a challenge for the Seahawks. I. I think we're our defense is up to the challenge. It's not that we can't win this game. I don't think that's the case. It's just that it this is a challenging matchup. This is like the hardest, probably facing the hardest team playing the best football right now too. Their yeah. offense is their offense is playing out of control. Patriot the Patriots are the odds on favorite for the Super Bowl from the AFC, and it's for a good reason. Yeah, well, especially with Denver kind of falling off the board a little bit. All right, yeah, let's Denver, go in Denver, and Oakland really, playing on a baseball field. Right, right now, 2017 Super Bowl odds. 
the New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl are plus 200, 2-1. Two to one. And I think no one else has better odds than that. So I yep. wouldn't I wouldn't count anyone to have uh, better we odds. We got Cowboys at eight to one, Seahawks at nine to one. I mean we we are right in there. We are a very good football team. This yeah. is just the the one team that I think everyone would agree right now their way their offense is playing is playing a little bit better than us. I think the Seahawks need they have two things they need to fix along to go with the injury issue. Oh, and, I, oh, I was like, are you going to say offensive line? Because, I mean, everyone knows yeah, that. I mean, it's, we know what the, what they need to fix, the running game and the offensive line, and they may go hand-in-hand. Hand. But the running game might be able to be fixed without necessarily upgrading the line. Let me, let me, and let me be honest. Until Philadelphia is not first in DVOA, I'm going to trust it a little less than usual. <laughs> that's. I think that's a legitimate thing to have, say, Because they have no cornerbacks. Yeah, they have, like, a clothesline. And just because they get a million sacks and they have a really good pass rush, but the Carson Wentz road dumpster fire is still concerning to me. Their best He's terrible on the road. Yeah, their best uh their best cornerback is their middle linebacker. <sighs> I I mean I just don't think there's any way I Dallas is not better than Philadelphia right now. I just don't I don't know what world we live in. That offense is good enough compared to everything else Philadelphia does that it should be ahead. But you know what? DVOA is like a numbers thing. So, I mean, I guess we just have to wait, give it time. It'll, it'll, it'll kick in. Yeah. yeah well, that's like, what happens. It's like Novocaine. Seattle does that every year, though. We're not, <laughs> we're not, you know, running all year number one in DVOA. And, we, we, and then always we always come out, come out at the end. Yeah. yeah. We always play good in the second half of the season, too. Maybe this game is the game where that starts. Well, look at our offense this last week against Buffalo. I'm, I'm not saying the Buffalo are these Buffalo's defensive Buffalo's a middling juggernauts. defense. Yeah, they've, and they've got pass rush, and they showed that, but we also showed our ability to pass the ball through that. When we can't run, we pass the ball through it. I feel like that what Russell Wilson did in that game was like when Felix Hernandez plays perfect, though, when the Mariners win 1-0. to zero. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, how sustainable expecting that from Russell Wilson is ever. Oh, week. I think it's very sustainable. The, the year we went to the Super Bowl against New England, you can go back and listen to the podcast. There were games that we should have lost, and we won, or we would lose games in spite of Russell Wilson. He would keep us in those games. Russ, I, I said it as a joke earlier in the little group talk, but and I said it in a John Gruden voice, but there is a magical thing about Russell Wilson. He just pulls things out, and that's what makes him an elite Right, but I mean, he doesn't have Marshawn Lynch to, to, you know, roll with no. him. And in the second half of football games, Marshawn Lynch used to just punish dudes. Yeah, because yeah. they're and, getting beat up the and whole that's what game. We and need, we need someone it. to just take some of the and pressure. And Rawls off of is physical yeah. in a way that C Mike is not. Because otherwise, he can, he can be magical, but he, if he makes even one tiny mistake, it doesn't even matter what it is. It's, it, like, let's say he gets sacked on first down and we're in first and 19. Now we're in huge trouble. Because there's because you can't run because yeah. we can't do anything. But before we asked Russ to be perfect, we asked our defense to be perfect, and they were. Yeah, we have a defense that can be perfect, I mean, and we, a quarterback that can be perfect. Is, there are aspects of this team that are so great, and then there's just parts that are like mind-blowingly underwhelming. And that's the NFL this year. Every every contender has just this weak, weak group, clearing weakness. There is no team that is in the top 10 for both offense and defense. The closest is Green Bay. They are 11th in offense and 7th in defense. There is no team that's even even close. And they're 4-4 and and have no running back. And they're terrible. Uh, So, I I mean, yeah, you're right. Every team has a a, a fatal flaw this year. All right. Let's go into picks, gentlemen. All right. Who wants to go first in this? All right, I'll go. 30-28, New England. I think it's going to be a close game. And I do think, like, one big play could decide this game. And uh, I'm just going to pick New England because I think they pull off the shootout victory. 
My comparison is the Pittsburgh Steelers game from last year. I think it's a game that could end up being a shootout, not because the defense is bad, but because the scheming is just, it works out that way. And I think this could be a game where we're relying on Russell Wilson's arm. And so that Steelers game was like 43-41 or something. Yeah. 41-30, something like that. I, with this offensive line and with this running game, it's hard for me to see us winning that exact kind of matchup again. I'm going to go 35-32 New England. It sucks. This is a Seahawks podcast, and we we try and look at things objectively outside of the Dan Carpenter faking an injury where we're holding up middle fingers. I think that I always want to vote root, root Seahawks and vote Seahawks to win. Having said that, this game is in New England. The Patriots are looking pretty flawless. Flawless enough, anyway. And the, the Seahawk flaws are glaring. Unfortunately, I had the New England Patriots winning 31-27. to And I like how we all have close games. It shows that we're not a bad team. It shows that we're roughed up. And honestly, I feel like if we had Michael Bennett and Cam Chancellor here, even with the awful running game and the awful offensive line, I would reverse the pick. I would have 31-27 Seahawks. I actually tend to agree. I think you're like exactly right. Like If we had the full retinue of defensive players, I'd feel much more comfortable about picking us to pull this one off, like 28-21. to 21, yeah. Or if or we had Rawls. 17. Or and even I knew Rawls. we were going to like commit to the run a bit more. Because, again, Rawls punishes. Like That's what... Kristen Michael doesn't put his shoulder pad in there and beat up a defense like what Marshawn Lynch did. That was the beauty of Rawls last year and Lynch um, forever before that was he would, he might only get three yards, but the defense would suffer for it. And eventually they would just not want to tackle him anymore. And Rawls has that same bit of nasty in him. Yeah. C-Mike doesn't, but... That's why Krista Michael was, an, was a good compliment last year, was because Rawls would punish, and then Krista Michael's got a bit of an extra gear, and he might be able to bust one. Yeah. We don't have that full complement of the backfield right now. And really thinking back to Krista Michael's runs, even the run, the touchdown that he had against Buffalo on Monday night, like the guy can play, but we can't block on the offensive line in, the, in every spot. Like, you know, our guard play off right tackle is, you know, it works at times, but. There's no consistency there, and we're not choosing to run the ball consistently. And yep. those, those, that's a recipe for disaster in the running game or no run game. All right, uh, you ready for plugs? And we ready to close this out with movie night, fellas? On yeah, this right. election hit night. those, hit those plugs, Kevin. Knock those. I'm testing you. No, I'll do it. All right, so I got it. Oh, okay, hit it. All right, so we, we gotta start with Patreon first. Oh, I, I say hit it, hit it, dude. Get what's what's so cool about Patreon. Well, aside from those exclusive YouTube videos breaking down one or more key plays that explain the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, yeah. The, the guy who makes those videos is really sexy, too. <laughs> and I heard he was going to do one this week in a monkey suit. Uh, I might have to. I'm wearing a monkey suit right now. I might have to do I might have to do the video on a monkey suit. Patreon. Also, exclusive. real quick, for those of you thinking monkey suit, like, oh, why, why is Nathan in a suit? 
No, it's a, it's a monkey. It's a plush monkey outfit. It's like a monkey onesie. Well, when you work in a public education, sometimes you end up doing things that, you know, maybe you're not proud of, <laughs> but you enjoy. <laughs> I like the idea. Okay, we have spirit days, and I like the idea of wearing a monkey suit during a spirit day, okay? It's, it sounds fun to me. I just wish you'd wear a top hat so it was a monkey suit. That would make me really happy right now. So you could donate if you want those videos, you know, just enter at that Marshawn Lynch level, dollar twenty-four. But if you want to bring it to the next level, the level that we're all sad, you as a fan base have deprived yourself of. Step it up to three dollars and you get the meltdown that is post-game Brad Hancock, executive producer, Brad Hancock, melts down like you would not believe. Secret post-game Secret post game chat with Brett. Oh, do it's you think so great? It would have been interesting oh, so good. if someone would paid this last week because I'm pretty sure as the game was going down, I'd be like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm not doing it's it. The best. He would threaten to not make it. No. I'm not. I'm make Eric do it. do it. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. It's just too. It, this game just sucks. I fuck. I, I hate this game. Yeah. This this team. I hate this team. Yeah. Oh, if you want the hottest takes about how the <laughs> about how the refs are the worst, about how the other team cheated. Oh. And you need to do this and just, just the vitriol the man can spread for backup linebackers that didn't make plays. It's you're you're missing out. You really are. This this is true and it's and it's legit. It's 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 a good thing. And it is in your benefit if you want to go all the way up. Go way way up. Give us that what is it? Thirty three dollars. Thirty one dollars. Thirty one dollars. Yeah, you can do. You could do our next segment with us for Seahawks Nest Movie Club. Or you can, yeah, I'll let you pick the movie. I don't care. I usually like to keep the movie a closely guarded secret. I have a master list. No one can know any of the movies that are coming. So it's a complete surprise. But uh, you can pick. I don't care. <laughs> uh, that's that's my uh, that's that's how I roll. All right. So you guys uh, ready to think about some movies? Let's do this. All right, so, ready. So necessary roughness. I, got back. It is my birthday. Happy we are birthday, recording Nathan. on my birthday. I, I. So I'm going to pick a movie that I love. Sixteen Candles. No, <laughs> I'm going to pick a movie I love. I'm going to pick a movie. I sometimes I try to pander. Like I'm like I know Kevin likes this movie, so I'm going to try to sneak this one in here. I got one up my sleeve that I know that I like. I'm like I'm waiting. I'm like waiting for maybe Kevin's birthday weekend yeah. to bust that one out, which is also uh, going to be on a Tuesday. Yeah, so then then uh, then Eric, you know, I know, I'll sneak one in. I'm like, I know Eric's seen this movie. I know Eric likes this one. This week, I don't even know if you guys have seen this movie. I'm pretty sure you both have. I know Eric has. I'm almost pretty confident. Here we go. We're gonna talk about a modern a modern B movie classic, Ooh. Black Dynamite. Oh yes! <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm so ready. Dynamite, dynamite. <laughs> so. Uh, Michael Jai Oh, White. fiendish Dr. Wu, you don't <laughs> fucked up now. <laughs> uh, so Black Dynamite is a movie that stars Michael, Michael Jai White. Yes. Uh, he wrote and directed it. If it's basically a... a if you don't know who Michael Jai White is, by the way... Spawn. It's, well, Spawn, better than that... God, he dude. Is, he is Gamble in The Dark Knight Returns. The guy that... Uh, the the black mob boss that the Joker offs with the, with the funny, with the joke. Yes. Oh, with the pencil. Oh, so he gets his man with the pencil. Gets his man with the pencil. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Michael J. White is a guy who says, "Enough from the clown." 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, anyway, Michael Jai White, he wrote this movie as like a total spoof on black exploitation movies. He just wanted it to be funny. And there's all these intentional production goofs in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's one scene where, uh, where like a character's crying and the tear switches eyes a whole bunch of times. <laughs> and like, it, and then she's not crying and then she's crying out of both eyes and stuff. It's just like, and then you can see the microphone coming down off the top. And there's just so many great lines in this movie. Yeah. Let's, let's go, let's, let's dig into the lines because I think the lines are the best part of this movie. Like, for example, bitches, be quiet. You're gonna wake, wake up the rest of the bitches. bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, which is amazing. Uh, black dynamite. You can't do that. I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> I need you guys to stop selling drugs to the community. But Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. Yeah. There's a, there's one simple line when, uh, sorry to spoil this for those of you who haven't seen it. Tommy Davidson, uh, uh, from In Living Color, the, the old, uh, Fox sketch comedy show, his character is named Cream Corn. <laughs> Cream and, Corn? And he dies in a, with, all spoilers. He's piloting a helicopter and he gets hit by a bazooka <laughs> and, and it blows up, and as as Black Dynamite is falling to Earth in terrible production value, he, go, he comes with the best line: "Cream corn, no!" It's what about what about the fact that every time there's a car crash in this movie, they use the same piece of stock yes. footage? It's just the same the same piece of stock footage where the thing rolls down the, the yeah the ravine and blows up. I I will say there's the the line where. He's walking through the neighborhood of recently cleaned up from drugs, and you see kids skipping rope. And uh, so he's like, "Who's that?" And he's like, "This is Black Dynamite." Oh, my mama says my daddy's name is Black Dynamite. My mama says my daddy's name is Black Dynamite too. <laughs> oh, hush now, children. Uh, there's a lot of people with the name Black Dynamite. There's a lot of people with that name. Yeah, he says there's a lot of people with that name. So yeah. good. Uh, what about when he, uh, he's in the last scene where he, he throws that, uh, saw blade and then he goes up and he fights doc, uh, fiendish Dr. Wu and then it chops his head off and he just goes, I threw that shit before I got in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, and honestly, that, that seems like the, the end of the movie, the pinnacle, but it's, the movie is an hour and 20 minutes, something like that. I will be honest. There's not one dead second. No, and there's no, <laughs> but it, they could have ended this movie at three different times and they just kept it going and kept it going until it got more and more ridiculous. It ends with a fight between Black Dynamite and the then president of the United States. Because guess what, Kevin? It goes all the way to the top. Yeah, it goes all the way to the top. So he's got to fight Richard Nixon. <laughs> yeah, and there's really, I and mean, the way the, the actor playing Richard Nixon is so funny because he has like the the creepy, weird Nixon grunts down perfectly. Where he's like, <laughs> he's like rawr, rawr, rawr. what is the? Uh, are, are there any? Doesn't he end up like getting Richard Nixon's wife too? Yes, of course. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Black Dynamite, you're so righteous. Yeah, are there any big stars in this movie that you can think of? No, there's a lot of cameos, is what it is. Like, let's, uh, let's see, Black Dynamite. Is there any big stars in this movie? I mean, there's all the guys that got the guy from um, Reno 901's in it. He's the guy that says that uh, that drugs line. Okay. There's a bunch of like comedian cameos. Like, there's there's Arsenio like Hall's in the movie as Tasty Freeze. Yes, this is the pimp scene <laughs> when <laughs> they're go they're running through all the pimps, and he's like, "Are you okay with this?" What about you, Captain Kangaroo? Pimp? Oh yeah, and, oh yeah, Captain Kangaroo, Pimp. and then Brian McKnight is Sweet Meat. That's right. I got Brian McKnight. That is the cameo of cameos. Uh, yeah, so that, all that's they're all the pimps, and Black Dynamite comes in to like tell them like, hey, you gotta, 
you got to stop uh, doing. You got to stop selling drugs and stuff like that. Oh wait, I've, there's one. There's there's one quote I'm searching for that I can't remember about fiendish Doctor Wu, but. Nathan, I, f- I remember your favorite quote because we watched this movie together years ago and you, you laughed very hard at this. Do you remember the quote about the when he kills the man in the donut costume? Yeah. Why, why'd you kill that? Why'd you kill that donut? Because donuts don't wear alligator shoes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the most ridiculous movie, but honestly, like last summer, I there'd be nothing on. Oh, it's like 11 o'clock part, at night, and I would watch this movie. What about the part where he like does like the really complex breakdown of like what's going on to figure out why oh, they're, the, they're selling that malt liquor? And yeah, it's the, like, uh, and he's like, and that means... It's, it's like one of those like uh, Illuminati confirmed videos. Well, not only that, but there's <laughs> the like the waitress... In the restaurant, because they're doing this in a in a restaurant, the waitress is constantly trying to help them and like saying things and asking if they need an order. And Black Dynamite is just getting so frustrated. He's like, yeah, shut up. He's just yeah. And little what jokes. About, what about like the fact that I keep going to this Roscoe's restaurant? It's like what, Roscoe's Donuts and Chili. <laughs> and, uh, like he keeps changing the name of the restaurant. He's like, man, it's just not working out. And then at the end of the movie, he comes up with a chicken and waffles. He's like, do you have anything? He's like, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. All I have are chicken and waffles. Yeah. He's like chicken and waffles. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what about the part where where like who the hell is interrupting my kung fu? <laughs> Every time he does anything karate like fighting related, he always talks about his kung fu. And there's that scene where he just he's beating up guy like ten guys. Yes, in his in his dojo. <laughs> in his Remember, dojo. Michael J. White is a uh, I might have this wrong. I think he's a fourth degree black belt in real life. And Bullhorn, the guy who is constantly rhyming. In the movie, his his number one right hand man in the movie, he's a third degree black belt. And anytime I've seen an interview with this guy, he's super chill. He's not loud or rambunctious. He's just he almost doesn't want to be there. It seems, but his character in Black Dynamite is just speaking in rhymes and constantly saying the most absurd things. <laughs> it's it's a movie that if you want a stupid movie that's really going to make you laugh, but it you was, can't isn't there a scene this. where he like can't come up with a rhyme too, and he's like. Them crackers better run for cover, or us brothers are gonna. Um, <laughs> I think Black Dynamite's uh, like, the, you'll get it, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, the I just like that. Just thinking about those pimp names, you know. There's one. Remember the one there's the Chocolate Giddy Up. Yeah, <laughs> Chocolate Giddy Up. Yeah. <laughs> so and Arsenio Hall, like you said, he's in this movie for like you know thirty seconds. Thirty seconds, day. but when he says his line, it's like I remember Arsenio was funny. He's still funny. Yeah, this is. I I would uh, highly recommend it if you have any affinity towards like these like uh, B ish movies. Yeah, if you love classic like terrible black exploitation, uh, this movie parodies they, them. They Blackula, know what they're doing. Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh, the part where Black Dynamite tries to shake the crack out of the kid. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, we tried shaking them. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's. <laughs> There's there's really something for everyone in this movie, and of course there's you know the CIA. He used to work for the CIA, and he doesn't anymore. And the CIA CIA wants him back, so you get this classic scene from many a '70s and '80s movies. I told you, suckers of the CIA, I was through. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? He gets pulled back in because he's Black Dynamite, and his brother. It's his brother, man. Yeah, they that's got right. His brother. Yeah, and I, he told his aunt that he would take care of him. <laughs> it's so cheesy it's so cheesy you gotta watch it fake tears and all highly recommend it I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix it was last time I watched it if not it's usually on it's on TV late at night on the like the stars and encore which I feel like everyone has even though they probably don't so 
Great right. pick, Nathan. Any uh, closing words for new gents? All right. I feel so, like uh, fiendish Doctor Wu's what his his knowledge of transmogrification can only be outdone by his knowledge of kung fu treachery. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's something the line I'm looking for. I can't find it, but it's it's the it's, most it is like most that, yeah. absurd, stupid, absurd, stupidest line. And then because the whole plot of the movie is like apparently like like the government is making malt liquor marketed towards black people so that they can drink the malt liquor and it will shrink their penis. And there's one part where that's, a guy that's literally there's the a one part, part where a guy drinks it and his like his dick's tiny or whatever and he's just like and he's like just shoot me. <laughs> he's he's sitting there and Bohorn goes, "Do you want to live?" I ask you, man, do you want to live? And the guy shakes his head and just shoots him. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. All right. Well, um that's it. Yeah, that Eric, was great. Get us, get us out of here. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's the election night. Everything will be okay, no matter how it goes. For Kevin Garber, Brett Hancock, Nathan Santo, I'm your host, Eric Ronnebeck. Go Hawks. Thank you.